You are listening to Scale Your Freelancing Podcast with your host, Satya Perna. Every week, we bring you inspiring messages and interviews to help you scale your freelance business to six figures while creating more freedom than ever before. Thanks for joining us today and let the show begin. everyone. Welcome to Scale Your Freelancing Podcast. This is your host, Satya Purna, and I'm so thrilled to be recording this interview today with my guest, Celeste Lustosa. And I'm so excited to be bringing her story to you because Celeste is based in Australia, and she has an incredible story about her how she scaled her business to six figures in her first year itself. So you guys are going to love this story because I know a lot of freelancers and consultants in my communities typically take a few years before they get to that six-figure mark, right? So this is something that a lot of my, my people are really interested in. So I'm super excited to bring, their sto- bring her story to you. So Celeste, do you want to quickly introduce yourself and tell the humans what you do? Sure. First of all, thanks so much for having me. And uh, we're just talking just now about our morning versus nighttime uh, experience. So yeah. I'm ready to go to bed and you still taking on on your day here. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, this world, and doing business uh, around countries with different time zones. Uh, my name is Celeste. So I was born in Brazil and I've been a journalist for over 20 years. So I studied social communications um, and always loved like the storytelling side of uh, marketing and really creating content that sales products and services and things like that so but I've always had corporate jobs so I've always worked as you know in marketing teams for corporate business uh then worked a little bit in government as well so in Brazil I was the media advisor for the state government when I got invited to come to Australia great um so it was a little bit by accident Uh, I didn't necessarily set home and made a plan on how am I going to migrate to Australia Mm-hmm. But the opportunities came and um, I moved to Australia on a working visa and I've been here 11 years now. Um, and I think uh, only now, this year, throughout the pandemic, that's when I started my business. Wow. And that, what has that been like for you? Like, you know, it's crazy enough to start a business in any time, by any time of the year, right? Regardless of whether it's pandemic or not. But especially with the pandemic, I can imagine that there's just a greater level of like fear and scarcity that comes up for people right so what has been what what has it been like for you growing your business yeah i think yeah for my business like obviously the pandemic has really hit a lot of business real hard and Mm -hmm. some business some business really prospered and marketing was one of those because even though um lots of people had to kind of take a step back in terms of advertising and stuff but we know that everybody went online and yeah. with that yeah. uh, business had to create a website had to have a social media content and they really had to lift their game and accelerate their digital yeah. presence probably 10 years within the last five months yeah and obviously that comes an opportunity for businesses like the one i was i've always dreamed of starting which was an end-to-end marketing so there was two two sides of it that I really tapped into. One was the digital world and how to really cater for those smaller businesses who needed to get online quick. Mm -hmm. 
and didn't necessarily have the tens of thousands of dollars budget um, like the big brands do. Yeah. Um, but they were willing to pay the price to get their website operating, to get their SEO done, to get your social media strategy and things like that. Yeah. And the other side of it was, you know, um, it was so much easier to provide our services in the digital world. So yeah. I find that you could reach more clients quicker because obviously you have the, the tricks of the trade. Yeah. And the other thing, people got more comfortable with doing business online, which was a really good thing for marketers um, yeah. because they really opened their minds to the, all the things that uh, we, could, we could tell them that they could do. Yeah. And, you know, I love hearing that because I think the thing, people don't understand this too well. I feel like a lot of freelancers that I see, you know, in the world, not specifically my clients for sure, because I, of course, I support my clients with the mindset piece of things and all of that. But a lot of people just generally freelancing around the world, I think they've not caught on to the fact that this is actually a gold mine of opportunity for them, right? The fact that this pandemic is happening right now is really a gold mine of opportunity for freelancers, for graphic designers, for marketers, for Absolutely. Facebook ads people. It really is. And the people who don't perceive it that way, who just think, oh yeah, you know, the world is going to hell. Nobody's buying anything. Everybody's just sitting home and scrolling Instagram. They're really losing on this massive opportunity because they don't know that it exists, right? So for people like you and me and for my, a lot of my clients, they realize that this is the time they can actually prosper a lot, right? Because also, yes. also coming from the perspective that right now, like especially in the US, so many people are getting furloughed, right? It's literally thousands and thousands of like millions of people who are losing their jobs and getting, their, getting furloughed. These are people who potentially will have to come to the freelance marketplace regardless of whether they want to or not, right? It's like regardless of whether they want to or not, they'll have to start freelancing at some point because the old jobs won't be existent anymore. And well, there are lots of business who started because people got redundant and exactly. they might have had a, a trade or a talent or even a hobby yeah. that they had to, to change into a business model. Yeah. And the thing I think for, for my business in particular was the fact that people also, even though they, the ones that really understood they needed to get digital to, to get their house in order that now the brick and mortar yeah. was closed. There was yeah. still the online shopping happening was the fact that they, because it was such uncertain times and they needed to really have a plan and a strategy. They needed to know what they were doing with mm -hmm. their, their investment. And yeah. that was one of the things that I was telling my clients all the time, marketing when done right is yeah. not expenditure, it's an investment 100%. because you're going to get it back. So 100%. you're putting it out with the return of investment in mind. And I think yeah. that became so much more important because then it wasn't just doing marketing for the sake of doing it because it was cute, because it's a yeah. fluff <laughs> that you put on top of your brand is for survival. Yeah. It's because yeah. that's the only way I'm going to survive. My shop's closed. I need to sell online. What do I need to do? So. Yeah, 100%. So tell me a bit more about like, what do you do for your clients? Like, do you typically do like a website copy or do you do like online marketing strategies? What exactly do you do for your clients? So we provide end-to-end uh, -end marketing, but with the strategy as our main focus. So mm -hmm. we provide the strategy through to implementation. So 
what we do is that sit down and think one of the things that I've had, you know, always um, very vocal about was the mm -hmm. fact that there's just so many little elements in marketing and in business that if you don't sit down and have a strategy and plan it properly, mm -hmm. it's like trying to put together a puzzle without having that photo, without understanding what photo are you trying to put together. And then you have a, a thousand pieces in your hand and you have no idea what you're trying to create there. Yeah. So you need to have that picture in mind first and then work on the little pieces that, that come together. So we sit down with the client and, and understand the, first of all, their current situation, what's working, what's not working. I'm a great believer or not, you know, winning, winning teams, you kind of got to let them be and, and provide certain support, but you don't need to come in and, and change everything. Yeah, but understanding where the gaps and where the opportunities and really then tap into the implementation of the plan. So, and I think that's why we, we, uh, I made sure that I had, you know, graphic designers in house and photographers, videographers, content writers, and all of that, because more often than not, you go to a client and you create the plan and you create the strategy and then it yeah. ends up in a draw. Right. And that's not what we want. So we want yeah. to make sure, okay, this is the plan. And now let's get on with it. Let's, right. let's make it happen for you. So we provide every kind of service. And I, I work with lots of different freelancers, lots of mm -hmm. different, um, you know, experts in their own field and, and just put those little pieces together for my clients. Nice. Okay. So do you have all the freelancers? So you're just hiring them as consultants or do you yes. have them on payroll? I have just a very few staff on payroll and I think that's when uh, the business model that I created allowed me to be more profitable. Yeah. Um, what happens with lots of the marketing agencies uh, and hence why they're so expensive is because they might have, you know, every single expert in, on payroll. So yeah. then uh, the overheads become too great. Right. for any profit and then you need to make it more expensive for the client. So I wanted to cut that. Um, yeah. And just, so the client is actually paying for the service and expertise that they're using. Right. At that specific project. And I think that's the beauty of this business model that works for, from my perspective, obviously, because I also don't have the overheads yeah. on a quieter month. So yeah. from a business perspective, if your month is quiet, you're not mm -hmm. having, um, you know, 10 people on your payroll that depend on you. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, tell me more, like, how has this journey to hiring these people, finding these people has been for you? Like, has it been difficult to find good people that you've been, that you can rely on? Like, do you find them locally, globally? Like, how has it been for you? Yeah, so I've worked with, and I think that's the beauty, once again, with the global world and the digital and all of that. So I have freelancers yeah. any, anywhere in the world, but mostly uh, from an English-speaking background mm -hmm. because I really need them to create content and things in, in English. Right. But um, I've been a marketing manager for many, many years. So I've worked with a lot of great people and great different providers that I could tap into now and say, hi, now I've got my own agency. Let's work together again. So right. it's been really good. Um, Adelaide's not a big place so when it comes to locally seeking the professionals a little bit easier yeah because we're we're a small city here uh, i believe yeah. you're in a big city right so you yes 
I'm in Mumbai at the moment, but I usually live in Singapore. So yes, Singapore, I'm, yeah, <laughs> huge. So Adelaide is like everybody knows everybody here. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. It's it's great in some ways because then you know the people you do end up hiring, they're probably more cost effective as well, and also they come with a good reputation. Like they're not gonna run away or anything of that sort. Yes, and I think that's the thing as well. With um, that's the the balance that you need to find with this business model that I create is the fact that I need to trust these people because yeah, it does for my clients' perspective. Uh, they're doing business with me, with my right. brand. So the graphic designer needs to be up to that standard that my brand wants to offer. So, but there's just so many amazing people out there. And I really believe that, you know, us partnering together and bringing our different skill sets and our different, you know, genius zones into the table, just everybody wins. Yeah, Absolutely. So in terms, and I'd love to talk about this as well, because I feel like, you know, it's important for entrepreneurs to talk about the challenges they have in their business as well. Because I feel like no matter who you are, no matter what kind of stage of business you're in, whether you're running a $10 million business or $1 million business or a $100,000 business, it doesn't matter where you're at. There are always challenges we have in our business, right? So I love to talk about this with my clients and during these interviews as well, because I feel like we need to normalize the fact that entrepreneurship is challenging sometimes, right? So, so far in your business, like what's been the most challenging aspect of it for you? I think uh, obviously the pandemic brought a lot of um, opportunities, but brought a lot of challenges for me as well from um, a human perspective. Mm -hmm. I was very um, aware of people's needs to survive and to, you know, people closing shops and losing jobs and all of that. And I needed to find the right balance between I'm also a business operating here because otherwise I, I just wanted to offer free service for everybody. And, yeah. and it, it kind of <laughs> reached the point that you're just like, you need to stop because you're yeah. also a business and you yeah. also need to, to, you know, be financially healthy. But I struggled with, you know, how could I help? Um, yeah. someone in need in a business how how could I make them um, not be in such a you know financial hardship and yeah. sometimes it, I find I find the money bit hard like I'm um, I've always been someone who um, likes to help people likes to partner likes to add value and yeah. I find that the money bit sometimes a bit tricky for me um, yeah just you know telling someone this is how much things cost and and sometimes they can't they can't afford and you know they really need the service but they can't yeah. afford it but um i saw one of your posts the other day celebrating one of your clients with the 10 uh 10k uh client yeah and that is so important to keep reminding people because at the end of the day you are in business as well and you shouldn't be ashamed yeah. of charging for your expertise and charging what do you think it's fair for what you yeah. have to offer so um it's finding that balance uh i, I still struggle with that to be quite honest but reading <laughs> your post was really good for me as well because <laughs> i was like yes yes it's okay <laughs> um but i was coaching i was coaching someone uh the other day as well about it and he's a um he's got a company that does videos and he put like he wanted to put I was doing an audit on his website and and kind of seeing um, the hits and misses there and yeah. one of the big things that he put in bold was that I'm not a salesman 
And I'm thinking, we are, we all are. And we, we all need are. to kind of be more okay with that. Yeah. And take out that negative connotation to the word salesman. Oh, I'm not a salesman. Yeah. Um, if you if you own a business, you are a salesman and you need 100%. to be okay with that. You need to be okay with charging. You need to be okay with calling someone and say, Hey, you didn't pay your invoice. Yeah. It's due. And I need this payment. Like, I think these are the, the really hard parts for me in terms of business. That's why you kind of outsource and make someone make that, <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. And thank you so much for sharing. Cause I feel like that's a universal struggle, especially for women, because we tend to be so empathetic and that empathy almost like borders on self-sabotage, unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? Because it's one of those things, and this is obviously, you know, has been something that took me many years to learn as well, but I see that this as such a widespread thing amongst my clients as well, where the minute they are willing to have better boundaries in their business, like around paying around claiming what they're worth, around saying no to price negotiations and being like, no, I'm willing to walk away. I'm not negotiating with you. Mm-hmm. When they are getting very clear on their boundaries, their income basically doubles, like, like yeah. clockwork, right? And for so many people, their income doubling would make such a massive difference to their mm-hmm. life, right? Like if you were be able to make double the amount of money that you're making right now, it would make yeah. such a huge difference. But it all, it's all comes down to mindset. And the amazing thing that you just said was like the fact that you're able to stand up and own your worth. One of the biggest things that's been like a huge shift for me is recognizing the fact that nobody in the world is going to benefit if I am broke. (laughs) Right? It's like, it's such a big thing. Like you need to be able to create, to have money. You need to have money to create impact in the world. Right? Nobody is making impact in the world being broke and being hungry. Like it's just not happening. And it's like, there's, I think there's this myth, or I guess it's like a very uh, deep psychological thing for us as humans, where we yeah. think that, oh, you know, who am I to be abundant when millions of people are suffering? But really, at the end of the day, like, how is your suffering helping anyone? <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, you're entitled to, and that's the thing, like, um, you're entitled to make money, you're entitled to be successful. You work, you work hard. And I, I, I always joke with my husband and said, you're not doing anything illegal. You're fine. Yes. Like you make your money and, um, you know, and just still be a good person and respect others. And when you can't give back, give back. But I think, and I'm trying now and learned um, just to draw the line between my giving back and my own business and not mixing the two. Mm-hmm. like I still support my community and do things yeah. uh, for charity and stuff like that but as a separate entity so that's me as a person as a mother um, and then there's the businesswoman that has an expertise that is worth some money so absolutely absolutely and I just want you guys to recognize this and I would love to speak to this for a second because uh, so my background is in philanthropy. So I used to work for a lot of uh, social enterprises and uh, nonprofit entities back in the day before I had my business. And this is one of the things that a lot of people don't recognize is that a lot of, a lot of wealthy individuals, because I used to work with millionaires and billionaires and, uh, you know, help them find causes they wanted to support in, right? So I worked with a lot of millions of millionaires and billionaires who were to, mostly men, right? Most of the people I worked with were men. Very, very few women, mostly, I would say, I don't know, 5% women, 95% men, right? And they had such a clear 
distinction in their head. And I don't, I don't know if this is just a part of being a guy or something. I'm not sure. But they had such a clear distinction in their head, which was, I run my business to make a lot of money and I do my philanthropy to do philanthropy. And they had no guilt between like, you know, charging for their business or, you know, giving to philanthropy. They had no guilt. They had no a weirdness between the two or between the value of the two. They were so crystal clear about what yeah. each of them was. And they, it was really good in a way because mm. it helped me recognize how these people were thinking about money, right? So yeah. they would allocate like 1% of their wealth, 2% of their wealth, whatever that amount was. And they would be totally open to giving it away. And they're like, I don't want to know where it went. Like, I don't really care. As long as you're doing good in the world with it, awesome. Mm. Like take it, do good in the world with it. But they were so crystal clear about the distinction between I do this to make money and I do this to give, you know, give back. And I think it's just so good to have that distinction because a lot of us, we confuse the two and we want to be good people while we are making money. And like that kind of really messes us up because we think, oh, I can only be a good person if I am, you know, if I'm uh, like, you know, charging very little or I'm yes. being yeah. like, you know, oh, look at me, I'm being so selfless and I'm not... Uh, you know, I'm not charging too much so that I can be more accessible to more people. But the fact yeah. is all of that is rubbish because you're basically just shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> I think um, this, some people like to talk about women being a bit softer and because of motherhood and stuff. I don't personally believe that. I think mm -hmm. what happens in the world is that women are still catching up. So women yeah. only started owning business and being in boardrooms or CEOs, CFOs of big companies for a very short period of time 100%. in comparison to how, how long men have been doing it. So yeah. you have to appreciate and acknowledge, obviously, they've been doing this for a very long time and there's a different mindset that goes with that. So I don't think it's related to, being, to motherhood or to being the, you know, fragile gender or any of that. I think that's yeah. completely irrelevant. And, True. but I think we're still catching up. We're still playing catch up. Yeah, hundred percent. You're so right about that. And this is something that I learned very recently as well, which was apparently it was only in the 1960s that women in the United States were even allowed to have a bank account, period. Like before that, they didn't even have their own bank account. Like, what is that? That's not even a hundred years ago, right? Exactly. So they it's never like, managed money before that. They would yeah. get whatever they got from their husband. And that was the reality. So yeah. we only learned how to manage money and make this business decisions. And we started that a few generations ago. Like my yeah. grandmother never did it. Nope. Uh, yeah. My mother was a working woman and yeah. had leadership positions, but you know, I'm only the second generation, so. 100%. And I mean, yeah, for, I like for me, I'm the first generation of entrepreneurs in my family too, right? Like I'm the first generation that actually wants to start a business. My mother had a job uh, for sure. She's an engineer. So she had a job in a, in a company, but it was not like, yeah, it, it, that is something I think we don't recognize as women is that you're right. You're 100% right. We are playing catch up, but also at the same time, we can kind of understand that the system is rigged not in our favor it's kind of rigged against us a little bit and we can recognize that you know we can we can use it to our advantage and of course you know i don't believe that we need to become uh, you know do anything illegal or immoral or anything of that sort to create impact in the world not at all i think we can still continue to be really good people with really good hearts that are making a lot of money and making boss moves and achieving our goals in business 
but yeah, those two get to go together. But I feel like the, it just has to be reframed or destigmatized a bit for, for women so that we can step up and do that as well. I think is normalizing being successful yeah. as a positive thing and normalizing being a salesman as a positive thing as well. So true. So true. So we're selling out, you know, a service or a product and we believe there's value in it and you want to buy it, you should. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're, you're so right about that. Like sales is a very, very good thing. And I mean, think about a doctor, right? A doctor is still selling something. <laughs> Everybody that everybody, like, everybody in a way or another is selling something like yeah. it, it's and um and I think you know there's all these negative connotation to it like our oh, sales car uh, car salesman or this or that and and um, I was just reading uh, some books about you know I know the marketing departments and sales departments always had this kind of like mm, you guys are the bad guys no you guys are the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. And I was reading a book and seeing some, uh, listening to some podcasts about it, and saying they actually, you know, like the twin siblings, like they yeah. can't operate together. They're connected. Um, their souls and their hearts are connected. So, yeah, there's there's no business without sales. So, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I love that. Mm -hmm. So, if I wanted to ask you a few questions before we wrap up. So what would you say is like the best advice you ever got after you started your business that has helped you a lot so far? Um, to always put my hand up to, you know, it, even if I felt that the challenge was a bit too big or uh, if I didn't feel 100% ready. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's very different from fake, fake it before you make it. it. It means just, you know, put your hand up, what's the worst that can happen and uh, try, learn. Um, every time that I put my hand up for something that was a bit bigger than what I was doing before, I just upskilled myself and, and got good results. So always put your hand up. I love that. I love that so much. Cause I, also because I understand the, the climate, the cultural climate in Australia a bit and there's definitely that tall poppy syndrome that a lot of, of the folks that I worked with in Australia like tell me about. So yeah, I love that because I feel like that's so important when you are willing to put yourself out there, like just outside of your comfort zone, even if you've never done something before, that absolutely makes a lot of, that makes and a huge difference. It does. And even the little things like um, tonight, for example, you had a post and I said, I'll do it. Uh, we don't know each other. Like, personally and we've been following each other on social media and stuff like that but yeah I was like what's the worst that can happen she'll say it's busy and she won't have a time or what's the worst that could happen so I've always came from that perspective and always asked myself what's the worst that could happen yeah and go from there so yeah. and here I am right? <laughs> you are you are <laughs> I love it. And tell us more, what is next for you? Like, what's the next goal you have in terms of revenue or in terms of growth? Like, what are you working towards right now? I want to um, really continue to grow consistently. Um, mm -hmm. I don't believe in miracle formulas and, and things like that. So I'm obviously continuing to invest in my own marketing, in my own advertising and I think next year will be once again a very unique year of lots of business coming out of this pandemic a lot of new business that were yeah. born in the pandemic 
Yeah. And I think come February, March, we're going to have a lot of great opportunities for marketers like myself as well. So I think um, I want to continue to grow. I don't, I don't see a limit in my growth. I don't yeah. want to stop. And I just, yeah, because I love what I do. So there's no, uh, you know, there's only excitement in it. And uh, the money is just the icing. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> so, okay, final advice. If you had to give a piece of advice to people who want to scale and grow their freelance business, if you could, yeah, if you just could give them one piece of advice, what would you tell them? Have a plan. Have a Don't plan. wing it. Don't <laughs> just wing it. Don't just, oh yeah, I'll see how it goes. Sit down and have a plan. I once told um, someone that works with me and I said, Five years, I only started my business today, but five years ago, I was talking to certain people, going to certain events, already getting ready for today. Yeah. Whatever I'm doing here today, talking to you today here, is not related to today. It's a strategy for my tomorrow. So everything, just get ahead. Always get ahead. Always know. Um, what you need to do next. Um, there's a, a saying, I don't know who said it because this quote has been around on websites and stuff from different people, but it's, you know, be ready so you don't have to get ready. So always be ready. Always have a plan in hand. It doesn't mean that it's set in stone, you know, always adapt, adjust, revisit, review, but know what you're doing. Like I always work six, six months ahead. I, I know exactly that. what my next six months are going to look like in terms of, you know, my strategies, my campaigns, the, ta the clients I'm targeting, like the, like I said, the networking events I'm going today is for the client that I want in six months time. Yeah. It's all about, you know, planning and strategy. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you so much. That's a great piece of advice. But yeah, this has been wonderful, Celeste. Thank you for joining me for this interview. It's been great to get Thanks to know you. Thanks for having me. More. Yeah. And where can people find you? Like, do you prefer Instagram, Facebook? Where should people find you? Uh, I love LinkedIn. I'm a bit of a, a, a LinkedIn big fan. I think it's a, it's a great platform because it has less distractions. Yes. <laughs> I tend to get a little <laughs> bit distracted on Instagram and, and Facebook, but um, yeah. I've got all social media. So my website is lustosamartin.com mm -hmm. and you can uh, see all my social media. And um, yeah, and I'd love to connect to any of you and chat and always happy to, to have a, a coffee or a virtual coffee on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll make sure that all your links are when the when this show goes on the podcast, we'll make sure all the links are available down below so people can get access to it. But thank you so much for joining. Uh, have a great rest of your day. And yeah, I'll see you soon. See ya. Thanks so much. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this week's episode. If you want to learn how to hit your first $25,000 month in your freelance business, join us for our free training at satyapurna.com training. That's all for now. See you in the next episode.